0: Songs on SAFM. More than three quarters of township entrepreneurs suffered a blow during lockdown stages caused by COVID nineteen in the country. You all know about this. With lack of income, businesses closing down and facing struggles to maintain a normal lifestyle under the most abnormal of circumstances, Unisa Press and Township Entrepreneurs Alliance, for short T, have collaborated and put resources together in conducting the Lockdown Economic Impact Survey, a common concern and a goal to understand how the COVID-19 pandemic and consequently the national lockdown affected the township economy in particular, the formal and the informal micro-enterprises. T, Township Entrepreneurs Alliance, is an organisation that was established in 2015 and has a focus in empowering township-based companies and entrepreneurs with knowledge-sharing, skills development and enterprise development and access to markets. Mr. Bulelani Balabala, spokesperson of T, is on the line to have a conversation with us. good evening. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: molo how are you, sir?
0: I'm well, sir. How are you?
1: No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having us on the show. Appreciate
0: it very much indeed five years and counting this is now your sixth year talk to us about the impact of the information and research that is coming out of tea which becomes therefore useful I mean I see that you guys are attached to UNISA from how academics can then use that information to bridge the gap between what's happening in industry and in the classrooms, but more importantly, to establish key networks within the economy that you are investigating or studying or monitoring so that the growth can happen at a much quicker period, or at a much quicker rate, rather.
1: Yeah, um, no, definitely, and um, thank you so much yet again. And I think for us, the, one of the main reasons um, in collaborating with UNISA, I think to do this particular report was we had a common goal, and the common goal in this particular case was to start documenting um, data that, uh, and especially fresh data that has to do with the township economy, um, more more or less focusing on the formal and informal sector and i think it became very important because i mean i think you'd go into any search engine or google or whatever and then you search out information which is pertaining to the township economy or rich data it becomes very difficult for anyone to find the rich data but i think over and above that it becomes very difficult for policymakers or people who are within the enterprise supply development space transformation and BEE them to develop policies, not even just policies but programmes that will speak to the actual problems that township and rural entrepreneurs are faced with. And I think just on the back of our conversation I wanna I wanna I wanna latch on to what the Minister of Finance touched on in his uh, delivery of the state in his delivery of the budget speech, where he then said the economy um sorry, the driving force of our economy is solemnly in the hands of um, small um, small businesses, and I'm paraphrasing. Mm. And I think at some point the president also mentioned such a thing. And I think one of the biggest things for us is for that to move from just being conversational pieces to actual, um, so so that it transitions to actual practicality where small business, um, township and rural business are also given an opportunity to participate. And I mean, I think in some of our key findings in the report, I mean, the first one there would be, I mean, 77% of uh, entrepreneurs in the formal and informal sector had no source of income during the lockdown. um, And which resulted in them drawing way below 5,000 rand monthly. And I mean, we will, I mean, (laughs) I mean, uh, it goes without saying that uh, this then becomes very, it becomes very scary because, I mean, how much does it cost to fill a grocery cart? You know, um, at the mm-hmm. end of the month, you know, it's well, it's well, it's well above three thousand five hundred. But um, with a, these particular entrepreneurs, are put in an environment where they are unable to even feed themselves, and I mean that in a, largely that in itself might not necessarily be by the government's doing, but we believe that they could have created a better enabling environment so that these entrepreneurs could thrive, um, and I think such an environment could have been. Um, through the lockdown and, and through COVID as well, because although COVID brought us a lot of tragedy, tragedy and losses. Um, and a whole lot of heartache and depression and a whole lot of negative things. But it also brought us um, uh, an opportunity, and there was an opportunity for, instead of the prehistoric way of doing business where large contracts were given in large sums to large organizations or um, politically affiliated individuals, you know, these could have been broken up and given to small players so that we actually practice what has been spoken about by ministers and presidents before to so then say that small business is actually the backbone of our economy
0: let's talk about something which i've always wanted seeing happen but i at least have very little if any influence in it and that is the rate of exchange of money within a given community the circulation of the money and ways in which the township economy as we are discussing can arrange its affairs such that My money, as far as possible, will circulate. Be it transport money, it circulates here. Money for groceries, it circulates here. Money for entertainment, it circulates here. Money for buying services that I need for my house and for myself, it circulates here. How could we integrate the economy within these given communities? Because... For so long as there is the kind of disintegration that we tend to see, whether or not it's real or perception, I'm not sure, it doesn't speak to the exchange of hands, stroke, circulation of money within the economy.
1: No, it definitely doesn't. You know, I think, (coughs) how do I say this? You know, linked to what you are asking now um, is something... You know, the common theme that comes up and what the report also does, it gives a pre-lockdown and um, uh, during lockdown overview. And we sort of do a needs analysis between the two. And a common theme that comes up is um, a common theme in terms of the challenges that entrepreneurs come across across the board, whether small, whether township or rural or urban, is access to markets. And I think, in tying it up with the question that you 're asking right now, you know how do we how do we make sure that the money gets to the hands of the of the people who live reside within that particular economy, and I think most importantly is to understand that. We have looked at it wrong, in my view, right? The view has always been, I need to get my product on a large retailer shelf space so that I get market access. And I need to be on brand X, Y, and Z platform for me to gain market access, meaning gaining clients out. And I think the view needs to then start from a point where we realize that we are the market that we are looking for, right? And that's number one. Number two, but also to then start to understand that that one rand, that five rand, that ten rand that we have in our pocket, that's power It's called buying power. And by deciding and controlling where that money goes, we could then ensure that we then start to develop our own billionaires and our own multi-millionaires in terms of our own, uh, own proudest African products. And have no shame in developing and creating our own billionaires because we will then be starting to narrate a new story. You know, we've been so comfortable in consuming um, foreign products and foreign brands that uh, we appreciate them more. We've, we find that they, we, they don't even need to be validated further in our own perspectives and views. But whereas if you have an almost sort of fried chicken and there's actually such a um, business out in case at end we want to ridicule it, we want to question its compliance, we want to question its health certification and so on and so forth. And I think that the third point for me in this particular question would be you know, really just shifting the mindset to say that just because it's township doesn't mean it's inferior. Just because it's township or just because it's South African doesn't mean that it's mediocre. And I think it starts with us holding our own product, holding our own brand to a higher standard that instead of just moving to strike, let's move to develop, let's move to advise and let's move to assist the brand to get to where we want it to get to.
0: But the standards question, which was your second point, it, it's, it's not a... a a point that can be just dismissed as just, um, if you like, pessimism. I mean, there there, there is value in having standards that are readily ascertainable because it does pose dangers if that isn't even at all factored into the local economy. And I'm not talking about the township economy. I'm talking about any economy. Any economy needs to establish standards.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. But think about it this way, right? You know, of Of the large sums, I mean, in the past six years, we've worked with over 48,000 township and rural entrepreneurs. And one of the key things that we have found with these entrepreneurs is that they've got skin in the game. So Mm -hmm. these are not entrepreneurs. whose primary issue would be we need funding to start. So they've already started and they've already started putting things together. Um, I agree with you. You know, um, compliance is a critical thing. Um, maintaining industry standards doesn 't matter what industry you are in becomes a very critical thing, but I think over and above that, we then need to then create an almost level playing field or equal opportunity at least at the very least uh, for these entrepreneurs to compete and I think the conversation in and itself doesn 't need to be segregate a piece of the pie. And just separated for these entrepreneurs, because these are our sort of kindergarten of entrepreneurs, but I just think it primarily is to then say the perception or the view at which these entrepreneurs are viewed as needs to then ideally change because they don't necessarily need the levels to, the level in and itself to be um, the playing field in and itself to be leveled because they are ferociously going into the market day and day just looking for an opportunity to deliver, and they're consistently delivering and I think Ideally, what we are then saying is that if you put them in a opportunity, if you put them in a place to deliver, they will deliver. And that has been seen consistently. And I think my big driver behind this is to then say, you know, someone would say, someone would then ordinarily say in a boardroom setting, you know, Bulelani, get us 20 or 30 entrepreneurs, but you know, just make sure but just make sure that whatever list of entrepreneurs you bring are people who've got expertise, and experience in a certain industry, in a certain category, and they must not fail us. And what I've always said is, And what I've always said is allow a room and an opportunity for improvement. And the reason Mm. why I say that is, you know, there is no perfect product. You know, I walk into brand X, Y, and Z, and I buy a brand new cell phone, an esteemed brand in a couple of months, a couple of days, it gives me a problem. I walk out of dealership X, Y, and Z, and a couple of days later, it gives me a problem. Those brands are not necessarily chastised as much as local brands, whether they are black, indian white or whatever the case and i think that which is why my biggest stance of footing would be on let's change let us not move to strike with our localized brand but let us move to educate inform and assist so that we then start to develop and build our own product
0: final question this is something somewhat removed but very much still intrinsic to the nature of the conversation about township economies It is, for the most part, a very cash-based economy, if any of my experiences are anything to go by. With the developing technologies and the fact that whilst cash was king back then, that argument is probably being challenged in the arrival of new technologies, including Bitcoin and fintech. How can then the masses of the people in that environment adopt new payment methods, one for their safety, but also to inculcate a different culture, which the world now requires and is moving towards.
1: Um, I think number one, it's it's noting uh, a critical thing that has come up during the lockdown, right? And that is, I think, largely you probably heard it as well, is the fact that the world is no longer going to be the same again, and we have entered into a new normal. But the reality is, for quite a large number of um, not just entrepreneurs, but people who reside in rural communities or even in the townships. That is not the, the true reality of um, of what is happening now. Yes, we have to wear a mask and we have to sanitize, but I think from an accessibility perspective, it, things just got a little bit harder because where the entrepreneurs are able to access the infrastructure, um, the biggest challenge now comes up, which is the rising data costs that become... Um, they become very exclusionary in terms of them participating in any sort of in any sort of market opportunities that are out there because everything would then sort of be uh, positioned as online. And I think one of the key things in in them being able to participate in new payment methods. I mean, largely so, majority of these payment uh, gateways or payment methodologies are driven by uh, driven uh, driven by online. So they are digitized. I mean, the days of having a GPS linked or Bluetooth linked. Speed points are sort of over with the entrance of your yokos, your E-cockers, um your FNB Speedies, and the so so and so forth in the market. And I really think investing largely in this consumer educating in terms of how to maneuver around digital, uh, how to maneuver around the digital economy becomes very critical. But I think over and above that, creating infrastructure. Um, for these entrepreneurs to be able to deal becomes twice as critical so that it becomes more accessible for them to participate and for them to even move and grow their businesses
0: fantastic let 's leave it there but uh, sorry i can 't not ask this question What do we make of generally speaking again perception or real, but I think it is real if my township is anything to go by, that the township economy isn 't at all. Orchestrated or run by in many small towns in particular by South Africans, locals, people who've got an attachment in history. The immigrant African community and Asian community is having a field day. I'm not saying that's an issue or not, but how do we get to that point? And what if it is in the report are the institutional failures that have allowed the locals to be replaced as they have been?
1: You know, you, you know, I think you, you touch on something which is very, you touch on something which is very critical. And I think it goes back to, I think it goes back to one of the points that have come up in our report, which is where anything, anywhere between 36 to about 64% of the entrepreneurs have then said that a more coordinated and centralized approach to support um, to support and alleviating the entrepreneurial need will become very critical in them achieving their next level of growth. And I think one of our ways of interpreting, interpretation, oh, sorry, interpretation, um, and unpacking that would be to then say, one of the, one of the great things that, um, I mean, I'll, I'll mention them, the Somalians and the Pakistanians have done in terms of, um, them operating these pasta shops in the township is how they grouped themselves and sort of, um, the grouping themselves, that sort of allows them to get a level of buying power, and I think we've sort of then seen that as as a way of doing business. And I think it's the the, 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 the Jewish economy and so on, and, and other 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 races. How how they've been a, how they've been um edified in terms of grouping themselves. And I think the biggest thing in in a, in itself is for us to then start to understand the fact that when we work um when we work as yeah. a pack and when we work together, we're able to unlock. Uh, the buying power, and I think over and above that, it's understanding that collaboration in and itself is the new innovation. And working together to unpack opportunities becomes very powerful. Back in the days when you saw a neighbor, or he, as we would say, doing what you do, you would hate them or you would fight with them or you'd say that they were jealous of you. But those days are over and we now need to start to understand that as an African, the best way to move forward, you know, I think there's a saying that says that if you want to go far, go alone. But if you want to go further or greater, I'm, I'm, I'm butchering it up. But, Go uh, at it together. Little...
0: No, I've got you. Yep. I've got you. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: May I just call for the end of this program because now my producer's in my ear. It is interesting. We'll <laughs> have to have a take two of this because, I mean, some of the issues that are raised here do merit a real and deep conversations because they can speak to even the structure of the South African economy and that there are at least two, three pick a number economies within the South African economy. Bulalani, sir, thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. No,
1: thank you so much, sir.
0: Indeed. Mr. Bulalani Balabala, spokesperson of the Township Entrepreneurs Alliance,
1: T, affiliated to the UNISA Press.